Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The trial of Donald Trump continues. He's referring to the Attorney General, Letitia James, as a hack, and not particularly wrong there. Accusing the court of fraud. The New York Post describes it as a yelling rant from the witness stand. I, I don't know what the yelling would sound like. Oh, Trump just being Trump. I don't know if that's if that's yelling. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. It is uh, the Attorney General, Letitia James, accusing uh, Trump and the Trump Organization of fraud. Fraud that went on for decades. Uh, No, of course this is all ugly. You don't have to like the man. This is ugly stuff. Brought now to influence an election, that part cannot be denied. Those are facts. Let me give you some other ones. We are about to enter, because we have already entered. I shouldn't say we are about to. We have entered the violence phase of the political left because of Israel. Well, that's not a way to say it, now is it? Maybe I should say it better. Hamas, a terrorist organization, attacks Israel. Israel responds. The political left says, how dare you? And now they're convinced violence is on their side. That's better. Whether talking about college students or college administrators or elected officials or so-called civic leaders, the violence is here. They feel emboldened. These college students who are grown adults, by the way, they're all over 18. They're not all young Sheldon, for the love of God. They know what they're doing. They could be charged with crimes, and if violent, they should be. On the campus of Harvard, you can attack an Israeli student. And is, is anybody charged with a crime? All Jewish students, now this person happened to be Israeli as the reporting goes, but all Jewish students, if attacked, immediately identify as trans. The college will pay attention to you then. See, if you're just Jewish, they're not going to care what happens to you. Hell, you probably deserved it. Your skirt was too short. But if you say you're trans, they will be on your side and rallies will happen for you. See how that works? You see how they care about some people, but... Not about other people, all depending on where you fit ideologically on their hate spectrum. If you're a Jewish student, nah, nah, you deserve to be hated. But if you're a trans student, well, then you're going to be loved. I didn't make the rules. What are you getting angry with me for? All I did was notice the rules. And I noticed that these are not children, they're adults who should be charged with crimes. The physical crimes are already taking place. We know the story out of Harvard. Here is UMass Amherst. Notice it's Massachusetts. I thought those liberals were all loving and kind. U.S. UMass Amherst student arrested for allegedly punching Jewish student spitting on Israeli flag. Did I mention the violence was already here? The violence is here. And even if you're not Jewish, you may very well experience it because you're, you know, normal and not a believer that Israel should be destroyed and not a believer in in the genocide of Jews. And so you're going to be like, hey, this is wrong. And they're going to say, how dare you? Remember when you didn't side with Black Lives Matter, they were going to ruin your business? Well, this, they're just going to ruin your face. They're violent. 
The political left is violent. These Jew haters are violent. These pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas people are violent. They are what they are. They're showing you. Let me bring you to a story out of my beloved Indianapolis, Indiana. The story goes that this 34-year-old woman who claims that her family is uh, Palestinian or made reference to the idea of her people back in Palestine, she backed her car into a building. This happened over the weekend in Indianapolis. The building is used by the, the, and it's called here, I want to say it right, let me slow down for a second. The building is used by the Israelite School of Universal and Practical Knowledge. They use as their emblem a, a Jewish star. And it said Israelite. And this Jew hater, who admits that she did it on purpose, backed her car into their building. There were adults in, in there, there were kids in there. She backed it in. She was arrested on a preliminary charge of criminal recklessness. Ruba Almaguthath, I believe I'm pronouncing it right. Why would she do that? The Israelite School of Universal and Practical Knowledge has nothing to do with Jews whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they, they hate Jews. This is part of that sect of the black Hebrew Israelites. Remember, it was the black Hebrew Israelites who were giving Nicholas Sandman and his uh, high school uh, kids a covenant. Uh, what was that Catholic school there in Kentucky? Giving them the issues while they were at the Capitol. And then it was this Native American guy just banging a drum in Nick Sandman's face. And then they all said, oh, Nick Sandman, he should be sued or something like that. Or punched in the face. Because, again, the press is so loving. This woman backed her car into a building because she saw the word Israelite and she saw a Jewish star and figured she could attack some Jews. Now, the fact that she's too dumb to know the difference might make you chuckle. But it needs to end there. Because, as I stated, we are in the violent phase. And you are next, Jewish or not. They showed you from their rally in D.C. where they engaged in a ton of vandalism. F. Biden here and free Gaza there and, 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 and all of the, the Jew-hating bigotry that goes along with it. They, they did a lot of damage. Paint on the White House gates, tried to scale the White House fence. People need to go to jail for these things. No one will, of course, because somehow this is not something to prosecute. This is what happens when you put progressives in power. They don't have a moral compass, so how could they possibly go after the same crimes in the same way? If it's wrong, it's wrong. It's only wrong when a certain group does it. That's not uh, uh, an actual America. That is something far different. You got people backing into buildings. Next time, they'll just go front in. Today, it's buildings. Tomorrow, it's synagogues. The day after that, it's houses. And we've already seen people who've had their houses broken into. And if you disagree with them, well, then you're just as bad as the Jews, and they'll go after you too. As I've stated on social media before, it's the Jews today. It's the Christians tomorrow. Luckily for me, The vast amount of Christians know it.
I'll tell you what, they understand. They're they're up for the fight. It is my people. <laughs> oh God, it's so embarrassing. It is my people who don't quite understand that they're next. This story is not some story in the ether. I live in this town. This is right down the road. I could get there in 15 minutes. I live just north of, of, uh, of Indianapolis. This is where I live. And tomorrow it's going to be where you live. And somehow I'm going to come across rabbis and what we, what we call mockers. Big, big, oh, important people who are going to say that it's wrong to carry a gun into a place of worship, who are still going to tell you that guns are the problem. Being prepared to defend yourself and the ones you love is never a problem. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. They're literally trying to drive through your places of business, then it will be your places of worship, then it will be your homes. Buy guns, buy ammo, get trained. And I defy anyone to tell me why that's a bad idea. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Why is that a bad idea? Well, Tony, you're advocating for violence, and violence begets more violence. No, I'm not advocating for violence. I'm advocating for being prepared if some Jew-hating freak tries to drive through your front door. Your argument is, well, let's see if they drive through your front door. That's a weird argument. Your argument is, let them. If you want to say, well, you have no proof they're going to drive through your front door. If I am not prepared and trained to defend myself and my family and they drive through my front door, what is it that you suggest? That the person crazy enough to actually do that, wait while I go get trained? Wait till I go develop a plan? They're going to drive through the front door and then leave? I don't appreciate the ignorance of the argument that somehow it's wrong to be able to defend oneself and that that in and of itself is the act of violence, which is exactly the argument they make about Israel in relationship to Hamas. You're killing all these people. How dare you? You, you, should be the ones who favor getting rid of Hamas. You should be the ones favor ending this unbelievably hostile, despicable, violent regime and letting the people of Gaza live free. But you don't. It's super weird. But we, we, we kind of get an inkling that maybe you want Israel to suffer by, uh, you know, from the hands of Hamas. Which, 30 days later... Remember, the attack happened on October 7th. So we're 30 days later. Hamas is still firing rockets into Israel. Hezbollah firing into Israel from the north. They have not ceased. They keep attacking. Yet somehow, the progressives and this loser who ran herself into a building think that Israel should stop. So Israel stops and Hamas keeps firing. Is this the answer? Now let me bring it more local. They drive into your home, into your place of worship, into your business. 
and I shouldn't be able to keep myself safe. You think they're going to stop? If your rabbi says, don't bring a gun into my synagogue, your rabbi is trash. Trash. Tell them Tony Katz said so. Trash. Now, if you don't want to say that, the least you could do is change the rabbi or change synagogues or don't listen to the man or woman altogether and just bring your firearm. Of course, you should have your home protected. You can get a security system. That's fine and good. I don't mind security systems. I don't think you should lock yourself in your house. I think you ask you should ask yourself, what happens when they don't care about the security system? They break down the door anyway. Now you got sirens going off. And I just proved to you the violence. I have got multiple stories. How about we go back to this Jordanian who was planning an attack in Houston? Jordanian national arrested in Houston, allegedly planned attack on Jews. Thank goodness you have a panic button. Because when seconds count, the police are just minutes away. And I'm not even angry at police. I'm not, there's no anger at all. I'm stating a fact. I am making a concrete argument based on the facts that exist. We're, not, we're no longer in the place where we might see violence. We're seeing violence. Now the question is, and I, and I say this in a very personal way. I understand that there are people out there who will tell you that the gun is the problem. I am not one of those people. I will tell you that culturally there are problems. Because in this situation, the gun is what's going to keep me and my family alive to the very best of our abilities. Why would you be opposed to that? Why would any Jew be opposed to that? Are my people so incredibly dumb that they don't understand that it's up to them? You cannot make it nicer. You cannot make it better. Oh, and don't look to the interfaith organizations that you've belonged to and supported them about gay rights this and Black Lives Matter this. They left you for dead, bitch. They left you on the side of the road. Like you got herpes. Oh, totally not going to bed with this one. And they drove on. You didn't notice that? You didn't notice that you were left, that you were abandoned, that they never cared about you to begin with? They only used you? Did you think your liberalism was going to save you? Do you think your liberalism is going to save you from the woman who wants to drive her car through your building, through your office, through your synagogue, through your home? I don't think you should be driving cars through people's homes. I don't think there's any value in this whatsoever. What I will say, as clear as day, is that the proof is exists that the violence is here i believe it's going to get worse i don't want it to i want this madness to stop but it's not going to stop is it i can't rely on the fact that it's going to stop and neither can you so you have to ask yourself what now I have elected officials who love the violence. I have college students, adults who love the violence. I have administrators who protect the students who love the violence. 
What's your plan? Now, I do believe that there's more of us than there are of them. There are more free and thinking people than there are uh, these uh, Hamas lovers. And I think that we should be very vocal people. But I also believe in a plan. I don't believe in living in fear. I don't believe in not wearing your, your you know, uh, religious symbolism. No, 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 no. No, do not hide. But if you're willing to hide your Jewish star, your your yarmulke, or your 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 your, your mezuzah, or or your or your cross, or you're willing to do that, but you're not willing to defend yourself, well then, hell, man, they already won. I'm Tony Katz. <laughs> to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. But I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. That is Trump's lawyer. Oh, the fight is on. But right now, the, the, the top story, Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. These writings that may very well belong to the shooter in Nashville, this woman who claimed to be a man who murdered six at Covenant Catholic, the Covenant School shooting, Stephen Crowder, louder with Crowder, released the images. And let me tell you, if they're legit, and, and I would have no reason to think uh, that, that Stephen would put out something that isn't legit. Um, I, I, I don't know Stephen anymore in, in, in that I haven't spoken to him in, in forever in a, in a day, but he has built something large and he's been through some issues. and I don't know how they're going to work out. And he's done some things that I find questionable with the Daily Wire, etc. I don't think he's making this up. Not at all, really. The rants of I'm doing this because of white privilege and I can't wait to kill these kids. Oh my. Now I'm still going over the stuff. And and I, as I said, I'm going to dig in deeper tomorrow for sure. Uh, According to some sources, the Nashville police are going to be making a statement on this sometime in the next hour. They will, uh, they will be either posting about it or, or, or making a statement. Right now, there, there's nothing. I have nothing on, the, on their website. But is this why we couldn't see the, uh, the manifesto of this murderer? Because, of course, they were trans and, you know, we, we can't, can't say this, can't say that, and we could be hurting an entire group of people. Um, any other manifesto you publish freely just hoping they'll say i love trump i mean that's what you do it's super weird i mean the the level of hate in this in this person is through the roof based on what's written i just want to go over it some more and make sure we've got it all set see what the nashville statement is so i'll be digging into more of this uh tomorrow for sure this is tony katz today Find everything, TonyCats.com.
was shocking and surprising, maybe surprising more than shocking, that there was a story on CNN that had nothing to do with the idea that we must do this and we must do that for Ukraine, but rather engage the idea that Zelensky is unwilling to accept, we're talking about Vladimir Zelensky, the, 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 the president, that Ukraine is not winning this war. This was Abby Phillips from CNN. After months of a counteroffensive to wrest territory from Russia, new reporting from Time magazine reveals that while Ukrainian President Zelensky is still deeply committed to the fight, some of his advisors are worried. One of Zelensky's aides telling Time he deludes himself. We're out of options. We're not winning. But try telling him that. And that sobering assessment extends beyond the civilian government. Ukraine's commander-in-chief for the armed forces saying this to The Economist. Just like in the First World War, we have reached the level of technology that puts us into a stalemate. There will likely be no deep and beautiful breakthrough. That is a very sobering, yet for many people, honest take of the situation. But what do you expect from Zelensky to say, well, we can't do anything else? Maybe that's why we started to hear these leaks of stories that possibly the United States is working with others to get Ukraine to accept the fact that the Donbass is lost. And if you want this to stop, you're going to have to give up part of Ukraine. Tony Katz here, Tony Katz today. That's the name of the show. Good to be with you. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. Retired United States Army West Point guy, military analyst all over your radio and TV dials. He is our guy because it's the only radio that counts is right here right now. Major Mike Lyons joins us. Uh, That assessment from Abby Phillips uh, that she gave there regarding stalemate, uh, you believe this to be true? I do, Tony. I think that uh, it's an unfortunate aspect of where it is. But in some ways, that's really all we should have expected from the Ukraine military. I mean, let's kind of net this out. They've had some success, right? They've prevented Russian gains. They've carried out some offensive operations in the south and the east. And, you know, Russia hasn't really gained anything from, from their perspective, aside from the 20 percent of Ukraine that they've really been quasi occupying since 2014. Um, they've had fortifications and Russia has lost a tremendous amount of vehicles and thousands of personnel carriers and the like. So they've had some military success. They've been able to go after the Russian Black Fleet. They've been successful at that. Um, and then in the same time, they've upgraded all their air defense platforms. So when this is finally over, uh, they're going to be a, a much better defended country when it comes from, you know, kind of what's going on in the air. But the bottom line is there's really been no territorial gain on the other side. You know, they wanted to um, come back and make real progress in places like Zaporizhia and Kherson and, and Bakhmut and, uh, you know, kind of these places that they've been fighting, you know, yard by yard. Um, but it just haven't done it. And Crimea is still off the table as well. They, they, they've not been able to to get anywhere near that. So um, so this is what the definition of a stalemate. And without more support, Ukraine will eventually lose because Russia can continue to produce. They've also failed to stop those production lines. They've, they haven't stopped semiconductors, for example, from going into Russia, a supply, North Korea supplying Russia. So, so kind of top to bottom, um, the, as we sit today, we have that stalemate. But, uh, but Russia will still have that industrial capability advantage that without the West support, Ukraine will, will eventually, unfortunately, lose. But the, the idea of lose, what does that mean? Is lose mean the whole country is going to fall to, to Russia? Or does lose mean this idea of working out a deal where you give up part of the land and you're going to have to now worry about this 
10, 12 years from now when Russia tries it again? No, and the short answer, lose means regime change in Ukraine. That's what Russia had wanted all along. They wanted to install a puppet government there. They were not going to be able to occupy, as, as has been seen, you know, that that, that wasn't going to be something that was, wasn't a, a, an objective that they could accomplish. But, but from their perspective, Zelensky out and others that were loyal to that former government out, um, but but giving up that 20% of the land, that might be a tough pill for the Ukrainians to to swallow now, given also the fact that they've had casualties themselves. But they just don't have, again, the military capability to go on the offense. They, they would need three times the amount of equipment they have currently right now, um, and especially Crimea. And Crimea has always been, from, from Russia's perspective, the most strategic location. It's the home of the Black Sea Fleet. It's their only warm water port that exists in the, in the hemisphere. So they need to have that, and that was that was likely their Alamo. They were going to fight, you know, very hard for that. So this leads to talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. If this is the case, if this is the situation, then what are we actually funding here? Funding a stalemate? Does is is there a strategic advantage to this? Well, we are. That's exactly right. We're funding them not to lose. There's a difference between funding them not to lose versus funding them to win. Funding them to win means we're sending F-18s, we're sending a bunch of different other weapon systems, more offensive things for them to do. Um, but in, in some ways, they, they still couldn't absorb that. Uh, we know that there's some pilots that are undergoing some of this training as well. But, um, you know, the, the kind of um, material and men that the Russians can still throw back at Ukraine if it does escalate is still greater than anything Ukraine could do just based on population alone. So that's, that's right. We're, keep, we're, we're not letting Russia win is what's happening. And I think um, from a strategic perspective, that's, uh, that's also drawing down the Russian military because they're, they're suffering casualties themselves. I, I think, for example, our behavior in the Middle East is very different knowing full well that Russia could not possibly get involved with this conflict at all. They, there's no capability for them to send troops uh, in, into the Middle East at this point. I mean, they're completely, you know, subscribed, oversubscribed right now going in, inside of Ukraine. So it, it's hard to try and get people to recognize that, yeah, it's a stalemate. And that's still better for the United States strategically. Of course, it has become a litmus test conversation on the political right support for Ukraine. While the House was easily put together a $14.3 billion aid package for Israel, even though they took it out of IRS funding, they did that without question. They still want to tie funding for Ukraine with funding for the border. Ukraine has become a much different beast. I assume it gets tougher when you're trying to tell the American people the best you can hope for is a stalemate, but at least you're killing Russians and and hurting the Russian military, and that's what matters. It's the same thing we did in Afghanistan during the 1980s. Uh, it was all about killing Russians there and attriting their military if they were, you know, they were um, more than willing to, to think that they could take over and, and swallow up Afghanistan back at that time. Same thing in a situation here. This is about it's money. It's not other. It's not people's lives. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's. We've got advisors there. I know I've talked to some folks, in particular over the weekend, who has who has their children now at this point uh, deployed in locations that are close to Ukraine. There now in Romania and Germany and and other NATO countries that are surrounding there. So there's there's more attention that's that's we've got to apply to it. But for right now, it's just money that's going into into Kiev and it's uh, material and equipment coming from defense contractors. So from, from that perspective, you know, business is good. 
business is good is not going to be an answer to to uh, the cost to to the treasure. I, I think treasure is easier to spend than blood by by every stretch of the imagination. But it, this is going to become a harder harder road for the political right uh, to get uh, people on the political right to say there's a value here. But we'll save that for now. Let's move over to Israel. You have got the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. They really have control of Gaza City at this moment. They have control of the north of the Gaza uh, of the Gaza Strip. Uh, you have the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has stated point blank uh, to Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, to President Biden, uh, those calls for ceasefire those calls for humanitarian pause, you can have that. We are going to keep going. There will be no stop no matter what happens to the north with Hezbollah, no matter what happens uh, further out uh, with the Houthi rebels in Yemen firing uh, rockets. Where where are we on the latest of Israel's uh, bombardment of Hamas and the taking of northern Gaza? So first of all, there's going to be no pause, not for 30 seconds. Um, and you know, the West, I don't know if it's now getting to the point where it's just a virtual signal that we have to say that, but um, Israel is not interested in stopping. Hamas, Hamas isn't pausing. They're not cease firing. They're continuing to fire rockets inside of inside of southern Israel. And then what's going on in the north is the same with Hezbollah as well. Uh, but here's, I think if you kind of net this out right now. So we had the Hezbollah leader last couple of days ago come up, give a speech, a lot of rhetoric there. I think fundamentally they've backed down. They've had different, you know, things that they've said before, but it doesn't look like they're going to attack in a large scale or, or, or open up another front that would cause Israel to devote a significant amount of resources. They're going to continue to do harassing and interdiction type things, which is, um, you know, it doesn't help the peace process, but I think that's where we're going. looks like Iran has kind of backed down, although the Iranians still continue to attack our soldiers in, in, with Shia militia groups, which I think this administration has got to kind of you know wake up a little bit and, and and make better deterrence than just sending submarines and aircraft carriers and having float them float them around the Mediterranean. We've got to actually start firing things up there. Um, the Houthis, hold up. whatever whoa, they were going to do. Whoa, hold yeah. on. We're going to have to actually start firing. Firing what? Firing at whom? And firing for what result? Well, firing at Shia militia groups that are attacking our soldiers and, and killing and one you know die of a heart attack, but you know, fire, firing from where they are and attacking them in particular and not attacking their logistical supply lines. This is what we've been doing. I think, I think that deterrence is great from, you know, again, we continue to show, have a show of deterrence, but if the Iranians are still supporting these groups and they're still attacking us, then that deterrence isn't working. So I think we've got to escalate some of the things that we're doing there. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Uh, the Israeli tactics... Uh, taking the north of Gaza, I am I am under the impression, and and this is not coming from anybody or any source. Just watching how things have progressed and and the statements made that the taking of of northern Gaza is not about the returning of northern Gaza. That this is going to be a no man's land kind of place and a a, a place to to uh, be able to reconvene and then launch further strikes against Hamas, this taking of northern Gaza says to me that they know that getting rid of Hamas is going to take a tremendous amount of time, and they're totally okay with the time. Yeah, I I think they're surrounded. They're going to choke them out. They're going to starve them out. They're going to cut their electricity off. They're going to blow up every tunnel. Um, There's going to be more collateral damage if they don't allow certain civilians to escape. They're going to 
look at over every single piece of that, that, that what, is, what is Gaza City, and, and they're going to make it, uh, they're either going to level it, or there's going to, whatever's left standing is going to be, you know, for the, for the next time. And that's, and that's why Israel's not even talking about this, because they, they don't even know what it's going to look like yet. So, I mean, the best you could probably project is, you know, a multinational force, not the United Nations, I would suspect. I don't think Israel's going to let the United Nations in, because we know how, how that will go. Um, and then maintaining that peace in Gaza there, maybe help building, getting other Arab nations to invest. Let's, you know, get those that get them in the game. Like we've talked about before, the Egyptians, when they when they allow a passageway for humanitarian effort in the south, uh, they can't build the wall back fast enough to keep the uh, their Jordanians and, or keep the Palestinians out. So I think that's where this is going to go. But the Israelis are not even going to have this conversation or entertaining conversation until this is over. The $14.3 billion that the United States just put forward, uh, at least through the House, we'll see what happens with the Senate. And President Biden has threatened veto because it's coming from, uh, the, uh, from the IRS budget that was passed at 80-some-odd billion dollars. Uh, this $14.3 billion, what does it get Israel? And are we now going to be asking the question, okay, here's fourteen point three. And then there's going to be another $14 billion and another $14 billion after that. What is Israel's real need from the U.S. at this moment? Oh, I, I think that there could be multiple aid packages going forward. Um, the need expands everything from small arms fire. Uh, they need more um, the, the Iron Umbrella Dome rockets. They need other air defense platforms. They're going to need parts. As you watch uh, on television, you see the tanks and the armored personnel carriers that going through these the desert and that that clay and that that uh, that sand that they're in. It grinds down that equipment. Um, there's a tremendous amount of maintenance that goes into that. The helicopters, all the, all of the kind of their war machine, so to speak, is going to need a complete um, overhaul at some point. Given the fact that what I see has been deployed so far, I mean. Everything from anti-tank platforms, the armored personnel carriers, tanks, helicopters. You know, they dropped another 450 missiles, uh, 450 bombs over the you know on a daily basis. There, the, the the air campaign. What I'm finding is is continues to go the same pace it went, and even with Israeli soldiers inside of Gaza City now. So again, tells me they're putting eyes on targets. Before these were more infrared; they were more suspected locations of Hamas. Now they're putting eyes on these targets and verifying what they are, and they're getting much more accurate with regard to their fires. Is anybody expecting Iran to get further into this? Certainly we heard from the Hezbollah leader, and it uh, kind of made you think that um, they're going to be a problem, but they're not going to get too crazy. Are we expecting to get more uh, aggressive uh, movement posture from the Ayatollah? Well, there's two sides to the coin, and there are. I, I'm finding more people are thinking not. Um, but then I talked to some folks on the military side, and they want it to happen. And they just think that this this conflict with Iran is eventually going to have to happen at some point, given you know what where our our country is and what's going on. So, so if it gets there, if, if they're you know really dumb enough to do that. Israel responds 10 times. They're not. They don't respond proportionally. So they'll first respond, and if anything gets really threatened. The, the real risk is that there's no question that, that the Secretary of State's doing all he can. He's totally over his head, though, um, talking out both sides of his mouth when he talks about, you know, we understand that they're not going to stop, but we really want to have a ceasefire. I, you know, they've got to be defeated. It just doesn't make any sense. But but if these Arab countries decided to get together 
and and launch a hundred thousand plus rocket inventory that's coming from Hezbollah and Iranians decided to launch long range missiles, Israel would be in big trouble, and it would bring the United States flat into the war at that point. Um, there's, there's most people think that that's not going to happen because the Iranians are back down, but those are the kind of assumptions that have been made in the past that have been completely wrong as well. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, M-A-J, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, M-A-J, Mike Lyons, on X Twitter. Be sure to check him out there, sir. I appreciate you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. A lot of places around the country, it, there's an election tomorrow, off-year elections happening. Uh, here in my beloved Indiana, Indianapolis, uh, yeah, that, that mayor's race in Indianapolis, there are mayor's races and city council races uh, all over the, the, the state. Just as a reminder, uh, if you're registered, uh, you, should go, uh, you should go vote. You should go vote and you should go make these these things happen and be a, an active, productive member of society. And if anything, uh, don't, don't let these losers win. Is, is that wrong? Is that wrong? Can I get a ruling? No, it's fine. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, be a part of it. Go out there and vote and make the time. I've got a screwy schedule tomorrow and I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to do it, but I will, I will get out there and I will vote. You should do the same. And then, uh, and then we'll see how it goes. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.